Good morning. We'll be in Galatians 3 today. We're going to continue where Pastor Chad's been teaching us. And uh, I want to thank Pastor Chad for it because he forewarned me before I got into this about how much you can get bogged down in just the background and the history of this. And so, like, I was studying for this message today, and I had so much good stuff that was not preachable. <laughs> and it, uh, so I'm glad he forewarned me because I think we were, I was able to just pray, and I think we're going to hopefully extract a good word from it. If I start to bore you, just get up and shake yourself and, uh, don't fall asleep on me because I think the Lord has a good word. Uh, like I said, we're going to be in Galatians 3. I'm going to read the scripture. We're going to be, we're going to go through 1 through 14. And hopefully we make it through all that today. And then I'm going to break it down for us. So it says, You foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you before your very eyes? Christ Jesus was clearly portrayed as crucified. I would like to learn just one thing from you. Did you receive the Spirit by the works of the law or by believing what you heard? Are you so foolish after beginning by means of the Spirit? Are you now trying to finish by means of the flesh? Have you experienced so much in vain if it really was in vain? So again, I ask, does God give you His Spirit and work miracles among you by the works of the law or by your believing what you heard? So Abraham believed God, and it was credited to him as righteousness. Understand then that those who have faith are children of Abraham. Scripture foresaw that God would justify the Gentiles by faith and announce the gospel in advance to Abraham. All nations will be blessed through you, so those who rely on faith are blessed along with Abraham, the man of faith. For all who rely on the works of the law are under a curse as it is written. Cursed is everyone who does not continue to do everything written in the book of the law. Clearly no one who relies on the law is justified before God because the righteous will live by faith. The law is not based on faith. On the contrary, it says the person who does these things will live by them. Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law By becoming a curse for us, for it is written, cursed is everyone who is hung on a pole. He redeemed us in order that the blessing given to Abraham might come to the Gentiles through Jesus Christ, so that by faith we might receive the promise of the Spirit. Let's pray. Father God, I thank you that we get to come here, Lord. I thank you that your word is... Spoken directly to our hearts, Lord. It's a living word. I pray that the day that I would get out of your way, that you would speak your message to us, Lord. I pray our hearts would receive your words and that we would, each and every one of us, be forever changed by what you'll speak today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So, as Pastor Chad has pointed out over the past couple weeks, that, uh, Paul is trying to get the Galatians' attention that they've been, they've been preached to, they'd understood what was going on, and now they're trying to go back to their past. They're trying to go back to law. And, and that's where we find ourselves here today. And I love whenever I get to really study Scripture and I'm reminded about how unpolitically correct Scripture is. Right? 
Nowadays, you've got to be careful what you say. You say something, somebody's going to be offended, you're going to be canceled, everybody's going to be mad. And I'm thinking, if Paul preached today, wow, like, he would have been in prison way quicker than he was. But we have to remember, everywhere he went to, they were still trying to kill him. They were trying to stop what he was going through. They were, they were, trying, to, they were trying to cancel this word. They wanted to get rid of this word. And whenever we study the Galatians, it seems like the world is having more of an impact on them than it should have. Just like we see today in our churches that the world sometimes has a little more impact on the church than it should. And so, we're going to break down these scriptures, and I'm going to start in verse 1. And my favorite thing we start out with is, you foolish Galatians. A couple years ago, Pastor Chad broke this word down for us, foolish. And uh, it is not the way we would preach today. And it, uh, the word is anatias. The word means to be unintelligent, not wise. The ancient Greeks use this word to mean a person who can think for themselves but doesn't use perception. In the modern word, it is idiots. So Paul is starting out saying, you idiot Galatians. And if we said that today, half the church would leave. Right? But, how many of you guys, like me, find this comforting that they were idiots just like I am? Right? I am an idiot. I mess up constantly, every day. Like, I'm like, God, I'm still an idiot. You know, you, you don't get it. Like, we, we, we've been taught so much and we still mess up. And so Paul's pointing that out here, not in the nicest way, so you know, you idiot Galatians. So I want you to realize, as he is speaking, we can find comfort in knowing we fall into this also, right? At least I do. I'm that idiot, uh, that idiot American, right here. It says, who has bewitched you? And don't worry, I'm not going to break down every word, but I want to start us out understanding why he's speaking these words. Why he's doing what he did. And, uh, and at least, you know, good thing about Paul, he waited until about halfway through to call everybody idiots. He didn't do it right away, so that was pretty nice of him. But it said, who has bewitched you? And that very word, bewitched, is basgain. I don't know. It's a weird spelling. It means to, to malign, to fascinate, to bewitch, or to bring evil eye, bring evil on by uh, fake praise or an evil eye. We would say today that you were brainwashed or hypnotized or possibly deceived. But they used it actually as a word called an evil eye. And, I, and that's a weird term for me, but I've heard people use the word evil eye and never understood it. So I had to look up what evil eye meant. And evil eye is, is you ever seen whenever you see a uh, king cobra and it stares at its prey, right? And it's staring at its eye and it gets mesmerized by the way it moves, and it'll just stop and it'll be, look in its eye and it won't move and then it strikes it and it kills it. That's the evil eye. That's the very thought here is something is mesmerizing them. Something has gotten their attention. And, and I look at that and it's a, uh, it's a thought that, uh, that I think we have a whole big problem in America with. And Jared, I'll try not to move as much as Pastor Chad to give you a break today. And it, uh, so I'll try. It, uh, 
I think in the church today, a big problem we have is we've been evil-eyed. I think we've been mesmerized. I think we've been uh, bewitched, as Paul is saying here at times. I think we've gotten focused on the wrong things. And he's pointing that out. We were focused on Christ, and then now you've been bewitched. Who did that to you? Right? In other words, is where's your focus? Where's our focus? What have we been looking at? What, what's getting our attention? Right? And, and the whole topic of this, Galatians 3, 1 through 14, is pretty much is, where is your faith? Right? What are you following? What did you put your hope in? And, and the same message, basically the whole time. He's sitting here trying to point it out. There was a simple message given to you. Why are we not focused on it? Right? It goes down and says, uh, Before your very eyes, Jesus Christ was clearly portrayed as crucified. And I want you to understand, it says portrayed. It doesn't mean that they, they seen it. It means they heard the gospel and they received it. They had the clear picture of it. He's trying to point out that these are people who accepted that Jesus died for their sins. They've accepted it. And so have we. Most of us have accepted that Jesus died for our sins. But sometimes there's just this, you know, you idiot Eddie, I get in the way, right? And that's who he's speaking to here. Verse 2, it goes on and says, I would not... I would like to learn just one thing from you. Did you receive the Spirit by the works of the law or believing what you have heard? And Pastor Chad has tried to explain it over and over the past few weeks about circumcision and how they were going back to that movement and, it, uh, and trying to follow the laws. And, that, and that's what they understood that the laws were getting them nowhere at one point they understood that. They understood that all they were having was heartache and struggle trying to do it on their own, right? The, the laws were put there to keep them out of trouble, to keep them healthy, but, but the truth was God wanted their hearts. He wanted that relationship. He wanted, he wanted them. The laws were put there to help them, but not for them to worship and to follow, right? They were there for kind of like a blessing, Right, like when a parent tells a kid, hey, don't stick a screwdriver in the light socket, right? That's not something they have to, like, worship. That's not something that, like, if I do this, I'm forever, you know, banned, right? And they're, they're, no, it's a parent saying, I love you, don't do this, right? I love you, do this. And that's what the law was set there for. It was out of love, but they were distracted by the things they were supposed to do instead of focusing on the love God had for them. And he's asking them, did you receive it by the works of the law or did you receive it by faith, by the things that you heard? And they heard the same gospel we heard. We heard. The exact same gospel 2,000 years has not changed and the same gospel is preached today, yet I wonder sometimes if we don't think we have to earn it still. If we don't think like, oh, I'm not good enough, I need to change so God will accept me. Or maybe we think, 
I need to get to this place before I can start serving the Lord. I need to get over, I need to be to this spot before I can start getting back into church. I need to get into this spot before I can really like have this relationship with Jesus. And he said, hey, you understood the moment for salvation. You couldn't do it on your own. And that's why you accepted me. Why are you still trying to do it on your own? And he's trying to, to simplify what they learn. Right? And I don't know about you, but I do this all the time. I, I go and I lay something at the altar and I'm like, Lord, I need you to take care of this. And then when I leave, I pick it back up and I go try to take care of it. Right? And it's like, how am I going to do this? Jason taught a great message on it this morning about how how we uh, we try to get in God's way. He's got this great plan, and he could take he could take care of anything. Like he spoke, and all this happened. And yet we think, you know what? I, I probably need to take care of this. I don't know if God's going to be able to do this one. Right? Something as simple as I can take care of God can't take care of it. He's not a very good God. Right? I'm pretty sure he can take care of our small needs that seem big to us. And it says, are you so foolish? I, I like that he says this stuff. Are you so foolish? After beginning by means of the Spirit, are you now trying to finish by the means of the flesh? Uh-huh. We've, uh, this could have been preached in our prayer team the other night. We, we spoke about these very things of, we knew there was a point in time in our lives, every last one of us that ever was saved, we knew that on our own, we were right where we were at. We're on our own, we were big failures. On our own, we could do nothing right. And we knew that we needed Jesus. We knew that when the Holy Spirit came upon us, that we needed that. We needed him to move. We knew that our plans weren't getting us anywhere. We knew that I couldn't get close to God on my own. And then there became this time in our lives where either we fell away a little bit or maybe we got distracted, our eyes weren't focused, and we began to try to earn it back or we began to try to put something into motions. Right? Sometimes we're like, I don't hear the Lord. And so to what, what do we do when we say, I don't hear the Lord, I guess I'll, I'll go home and I'll read my Bible, I'll pray, and uh, I'll go to church a little bit more, and hopefully I start hearing from the Lord. Which are all great things. Every last one of those are great things when God calls you to do them. They are not great things when you're trying to earn the Lord. They're not great things when you're trying to get closer to the Lord necessarily. They are a means to get close to the Lord when you're seeking the Lord. But not when we're trying to earn his trust. Whenever I was when I was younger, I started reading the Bible when I was a teenager, young teenager. And I read it at first because I wanted to know more about God. But my life didn't change a whole lot. And therefore, every time I was doing something wrong, I went back to reading scripture at this time because I knew, you know what, if I read two chapters today, I'll be okay. God will know I love him. And then I kept living the way I always lived anyway, right? It was a repentance to me. 
It was a, I'm going to pay my price by reading my Bible, and I'll try to make it to church on Sunday. And I, I know I'm the only one here that said, Lord, if you forgive me this time, I'll never do it again. And then you're right back out doing it again because you're trying to pay for something. You're trying to do it in the flesh, and our flesh gets in the way. And it's the whole thing Pastor Chad talked about last week of that crucified flesh. We've got to let our flesh die. It's got to be gone. We can't earn anything, right? And if you think about it, at the beginning when you first received salvation, there was so much freedom and refreshment in knowing you couldn't do it. You said, you know what, I could never do it on my own, and I don't have to. And if we would walk in that line of, I don't have to do it on my own, man, it gets so much easier. It becomes... Uh, free, there's no bondage in that. You are a free person. When Jesus said, he whose son says free is free indeed, you're truly free. We have to pay attention to these things. We should be always evaluating ourselves the way Paul said before as we evaluate ourselves to find if we are worthy, if we're where we need to be. Right? What are the reasons for our actions? You know, More often than not, I would say our actions are more selfish than they are holy. And when I say holy, you know, I shared with a guy the other day, you know, that people always say Christians are holier than thou and think they're better than everybody else. I want to be holier than thou. I want to be set apart for the Lord in a way that the rest of the world is not. It does not mean that I think I'm better than you. It means I think I need God more than you think you need God. I want to be in that place. Because whenever I think I got it figured out, I just watch. You'll see me mess up real bad, right? You can probably make YouTube videos about it. it uh, but we have to pay attention to that. We're going to move on there. Trying to keep track of my notes. I actually made notes and I don't ever make notes. So I don't want to get far away from them because it's a. Uh, I always do uh, expository type teaching. Not always, usually. But as Pastor Chad would tell you, I do a topical expository teaching. Before I even go into the scriptures, I already know what's going to be spoke. And I use a, uh, the scriptures to show it. The way this is, we're going into the scriptures. And we're bringing out the message that's spoken here. So the great thing is you can't get mad at Pastor Chad or myself when we speak these things. Because we're just going through the scripture and letting God speak. So, hey, that's free. <laughs> Very free. We're, we're not pinpointing anybody. Okay, verse 4 says, Have you experienced so much in vain, if it really is in vain? And I like this, because... There could be two possible thought processes in what Paul's speaking here. In Acts 14, we know that Paul was stoned and left for dead. It was in this area when that happened. And there was other Christians being persecuted. This could very well mean that. It could mean that they were being persecuted and he's saying, did you go through all this for for nothing? Did you go through all this to just let it be? But I don't really think that's what he means because the word experience there actually means experienced. It doesn't mean suffered. A lot of, t- a lot of translations say suffered. 
right? Uh, I believe he's talking more of the spiritual. I think he's saying, did you let go of all the other stuff? Did you experience so much of God? Did you have that presence? Did you have that love? Did you have everything that God showed you? And now you're going to leave it? I feel like that's where he's at in this. He's reminding them of everything that God has done. Of who Jesus is. He's reminding them, did you, did you go through this? Did you experience that moment with the Lord? Just to say, all right, I'm good now. Let me move forward. And, and I think we do that sometimes. I go back, over and over lately, I go back to this. But if 6% of Christians, believing Christians in America, are all that have a biblical worldview... That means 94% of the Christians did had their experience in vain. 94. That's a big number. It's a scary number. Because that means only 3.6% of Americans actually have a biblical worldview. And we're trying to change the world. God can do it. He used 300 people with, with Gideon, but... I mean, we... We have to pay attention. We've got to keep our focus. We have to remember that experience, that moment, right? There are times in your lives that God's been closer and you felt stronger bond, a stronger relationship with him. Remember that. Get back to that, right? Cry out to him. Remember how much you needed him. Not our flesh. Don't go out and try to work for it and try to get it back and say, okay, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do that. No, just say, Lord, I need you. I need that. Kind of got to abandon ourselves. In verse 5, it goes right back over what he said in verse 2. He says, so again, I ask, does God give you the Spirit and work miracles among you by the works of the law or by believing what you heard? There was a point in time where you heard the gospel message and it made sense. Not because you grew up in church, not because not because of what somebody said, but because you finally believed that Jesus was who he is. Right? There was a moment that you truly had a belief. And that's the only way salvation works. It wasn't because you said a prayer. It wasn't because you were baptized. It wasn't because you took communion. It's because you truly believed. And we're going to get a little bit more into that belief here in a little bit, but sometimes we replace belief with actions, with works. We, we believe, we get saved, and then we go through the motions of living out our Christian life. We do the actions Oh, you know, I've seen Pastor Chad doing this, so I'm going to do that same thing. Or, you know, I need to be there on Sunday, and every time it's open, I need to be there. And I'm not saying you don't need to be here on Sunday, because Scripture does say, do not forsake the gathering of the brethren. We do need to be together. That's how we get through this world. We get through this world together, one, one, one helping another, right? We need that. And uh, I, That's why I, Ryan and I talk all the time, our men's group, that gathering of our men helps us it's just so good to be together and and maybe you're like but i don't i don't have a place i belong 
guess what? Step in somewhere and you'll belong there because you're there. Right? Just come on in. Also, so Abraham believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness. The Jews loved the fact that they were the children of Abraham. That was the promise they were given. Abraham was told, you will have many descendants and they will be mine. And so the Jews were very proud of the fact that they were God's chosen people. Right? They were very proud of it and they were still living by that. And so that's why he wanted to point out that Abraham said, or that he said Abraham believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness. And this is a kind of a a thought process you have to remember because Abraham, when circumcision was given to Abraham, and this is still with our hold up as they're going back to the old commands, the law hadn't even been poured out yet. Right? We know Jesus wasn't there. But it says Abraham believed and and God accounted him, counted righteousness to him. Right? He counted it for righteousness. He did not say he believed in God so he was righteous. And he also didn't say because he went through with the circumcision God accounted it as righteousness. And we're going to get here in a few minutes, we're going to get into Genesis 15 where he actually talks to to Abram and and accounts it to him as righteous. It was because he believed God that he was righteous. Not believed in God. Right? Because scripture we know, and I'm getting a little ahead of my notes here, but we know in uh, James 2.19 that it says that Even the demons believed and trembled, right? They believed God was real. They believed in one God. They believed in God. They just didn't believe God. Abram believed God. Abraham believed and has counted to him as righteousness. His faith didn't make him righteous. God accounted him as righteous because he had faith in what he believed in God. And that's a deep thought. But we're going to dive into this a little more. See, the Jews before Christ, they actually believed everything they did accounted as right. The Pharisees lived by the thought process that they were holy and set apart for God, so they were good. I am better than that person, so I am good. And that's the way they would live. And as Jesus said, they were whitewashed tombs, they were vipers inside, they were dead inside, and they had no true relationship with God. And these people were proud Jews, and they're still thinking that. We belong to Abraham, we belong to Abraham, we belong to Abraham. And Paul said, yeah, it doesn't really matter. The Gentiles are saved too. Right? So he's pointing this out, and... uh, I don't want to skip any of this. See, it says as a count of Abraham, and I'm going to get back to it here in a minute, like I said, Abraham never knew Jesus. Well, no, I take that back. He probably didn't know Jesus, because I believe Jesus revealed himself in a Christophany. But, he did believe in a salvation message. He believed in who God was. He believed 
what God told him. So when God tells him to take his son up to the mountain and kill his son, he believed God would provide a way. And if he didn't, he was still God. Whenever God says, go and circumcise yourself and everybody, every male in your tribe and all your servants, your sons, ain't a man in here who's going to say, yep, let's do that. But Abraham said there's got to be a reason. He didn't do it because God told him to do it. It wasn't like, I better do this or I'm going to die. He did it because he believed there was a good reason why God was telling him to do it. It was a belief in God, of God, and what God's doing, than not. So, it's a, it's a different concept when you believe God, and then when you believe in God. Right? Lots of people believe there is a God. They believe He is God, but they don't believe what He says for their lives. They don't believe He's got a good plan for their lives. They don't believe He can fix their situation. He, they don't believe... God. Abram believed God. He, we know at first he didn't. We know he struggled. and you know, Even to the point to where I'm going to read Galatians 5 here in a minute. So, or 15, so we'll get that in a minute. But I'm going to finish up with uh, verse 17. It says, Understand then that those who have faith are children of Abraham. That's a big difference. Before it was descendants of Abraham were God's people. That's what the Jews believed. But Paul is now saying, understand that those who have faith are children of Abraham. Those who believe are the ones who are children of Abraham. They're the ones who have the promise of heaven. They're the ones who have the relationship with Jesus. They are the sons of God. Us. It's no longer just the Jews. Not because of your works are you a son of Abraham. No more. It's faith. Because he was the father of faith. He was from the beginning. He had faith and it was accounted to him as righteous. So therefore those who have faith. It's accounted to us as righteousness. So Genesis 15 verse 1 says. After this the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision. This is before he was even Abraham. Do not be afraid Abram. I am your shield, your very great reward. That would be very comforting. But Abram said, Sovereign Lord, what can you give me since I remained childless and the one who, the one who will inherit my estate is Eleazar of Damascus? And Abram said, You have given me no children, so a servant in my household will be my heir. So, I don't know about you guys, but I have often pointed out the problems. Just as Jason said this morning, we are very good at pointing out the problems where we're not usually willing to wait for God to have a decision to make, a, make, his, uh, make his plan play out. And that's kind of where he's at. He's like, well, God, here's the problem. What are you going to do about it? What do you expect me to do? I don't have a good plan. I've been there a lot. Well, God, what do you want me to do about it? And I think I went straight ahead. Then the word of the Lord came to him. This man will not be your heir, but a son who is in your flesh and blood will be your heir. He took him outside and said, look up to the sky and count the stars. 
If indeed you can count them, then he said to him, so shall your offspring be. God does this a lot. He points out how little we actually know and how, how, how small we are compared to him, right? He did it with Job. Where were you at when I did all this? What do you really know that I don't know, right? And so here's Abram just asking the Lord, hey, Lord, right now this is what it looks like, but you're promising me this. And God said, go count the stars, so shall your offspring be. You know, somebody could probably count all the Jews in the world. Probably be pretty simple to do it. And probably somehow they could have done it all throughout all time. And they could have counted it. But they can't count all the people of faith. Because we don't know where people's faith is at all the time. It's impossible to count faith. So there's no way of telling. Right? Abram believed the Lord and he credited it to him as righteousness. It wasn't for anything that Abram did. Oftentimes we think it's because he was willing to, to uh, leave his father's land and just wander. Or we sometimes think it's because he was willing to take his son up and, and you know, get ready to sacrifice him. But he believed different in what the Lord would do. It, it doesn't say that. It says, Abram believed the Lord. So he's believing what the Lord told him. And it was counted to him as righteousness. And that's what Paul's referring to in Galatians, is that very act. That when Abram believed the Lord, it was counted to him as righteous. And when we believe the Lord can do something, when we believe the Lord has a plan for our lives, when we believe that his ways are better than our ways, when we can abandon our own thoughts and our own ideas and say, okay, Lord, I'm going to trust you. It's going to be hard, but I'm going to trust you. Then it's counted as righteous. Then we are right with the Lord. That's a great thing about righteousness. It's a big word sometimes. We overthink it. All it means is we're now right with the Lord. And it's not because of action. Just believing he can do what he can do. And it's tough. It's hard. It's a very simple idea but not an easy idea. Very simple. Everything in Scripture is very simple. The world is very simple. But we all know nothing about it is easy. So I don't want you to think I'm telling you it's easy. My notes say it is not enough to just believe in God. We have to also believe Him. And sometimes we say we're Christians because we believe or we say we're Christians because we believe Jesus died for our sins. It's not just enough to say we believe in it. There has to be fruit of it. There has to be believing in him. Right? It, uh, a prayer is only the start of our salvation. Talking to the Lord is only a start. And then we let it play out. We trust and we believe. In in 1 John, it tells you over and over, your actions show where your faith is, right? And our faith is always in what we actually believe in. So if I say, I believe God, yet I'm trying to do everything on my own, my faith is actually in what I'm doing, not in what God's doing. 
And so we, we do that often. I know I do that often. I walk out my faith in my abilities, or I walk out my faith in, in a plan, or I walk out my faith in, in what's worked before. That doesn't make us right with God. It's walking in what God's doing. It's believing God can do it, right? And saying, Lord, I don't know what it looks like, and I'm going to struggle all the way, but I'm, with your help, I'll do it. With your help, I'll go. And you may think, that sounds very easy, and it isn't. That's why you have to keep praying and asking the Lord to help over and over and over because we will fall short. Right? Just like the the man trying to get healing for his daughter and, and Jesus said, you know, all things are possible for those who believe and he says, I do believe, but help my unbelief. That's where we're at most of our lives, I believe. I have to pray that prayer every single day. God, I believe you're going to do something, but help me to where I don't believe you're going to do it. Because I'm smart enough to realize I'm one of those idiots who get in the way. Right? Verse 8 says, Scripture foresaw that God would justify the Gentiles by faith and announce the gospel in advance to Abraham. All nations will be blessed through you, so those who rely on faith are blessed, along with Abraham, the man of faith. Because of our faith, we become heirs along with Abraham. Not because of birthright, not because of any other reason, but because we actually believe God and that we would be those heirs, right? And it comes down to uh, comes down to the fact that Jesus made that possible, right? It isn't because of my faith that I'm righteous. And it isn't even because I believe God that I'm righteous. And you're like, well, that doesn't make sense. It says Abram, it was accounted to him by God because he believed. It's because he believed that God accounted it to him, right? It is because we believe that Jesus is able to make us right. It's only through Jesus. And when we believe Jesus died for our sins, was buried, raised three days later, and resurrected, and we believe we'll be with him again, and we walk our lives out in that, we're right with God. Right? So whenever the world's getting horrible and you're like, Lord, I know what you did, and I'm believing, and I know you have a plan, And because of Jesus, you're going to follow this out. And we walk in that salvation and we believe in that salvation. We're right with God. Because of Jesus. Abram believed before, this is like what, 2,500 years or more? Before Jesus came, Abram believed Jesus was going to do this. That's a faith. That's a belief. Before it even happened. We, it at least happened for us already. Okay, so I'm getting close to the end. I'm going to, feel, I'm going to try to go through this one pretty quickly. Because it's not too bad. Uh, verse 10. says, For all who rely on the works of the law. 
or under a curse. That is, it is written, cursed is everyone who does not continue to do everything written in the book of the law. The Jews were bound by the law. They were, they were a people who struggled every single day to do right. And when they messed up, they had to try to figure out how to make that right. And when they couldn't make that right, they had to figure out how to make that right. And then they had to go kill animals. And then they went right back and then they had to kill more animals because they couldn't do it. Right? So there was this curse and they were bound by it. There was no getting out of it. And I can't imagine the, we think we have anxieties now. Imagine then whenever you're trying to figure this out on your own and you're trying to do it on your own and you don't even have somebody to turn to because you're going to the Pharisees and you're like, look, I keep messing up. And they're like, well, stop messing up. Be more like me. Right? And that's what they're told. For those who are in Christ, there's never any condemnation. There should never be. I won't say there isn't because we all know that we, we still face it at times. But there's never true condemnation. But these people were condemned. They knew that every time they sinned that they were going to hell. They knew that on their own without sacrificing animals, there's condemnation. You're walking in that. And there's no bigger fear than when you're walking in condemnation. Part of the thing we bind ourselves up today are our good works. And, and we start thinking like, we start thinking people, I know we all heard it. Well, I'll probably go to heaven. I'm a good person. Or I believe my grandpa's going to heaven because he was a really good guy. And we start getting these thought processes of that. But you know what the problem is, is whenever you're getting into heaven by your own good deeds, you're comparing yourself to other people. And there's always somebody better than you. There's somebody doing good things way better than you're doing good things. Right? Of course, there are people who are doing worse things than you. But where do you make that line? Where's the separation of, oh, wow, I was doing really good, and then I realized this person's doing even better than I am, so, wow, I'm falling short again. And we bind ourselves up by our actions, and I'm doing good stuff, and I'm not sinning as much as I used to, and I'm going to church, and and we get bound up by those are the things we're doing. We're working again. When we when our standards are based on our actions, we will always fall short. And and that, and that's that's that curse Paul's talking about. It's a curse that you can never do it. And it's a curse you're always going to be behind. You're always going to fall short. You're never going to make it. And I don't know about you, but I've been there. And I knew I just wasn't good enough. And that's a curse. And you walk around in it and you feel like, even though you may look good on the outside, like before I really started living for God, my life looked pretty good. And most people have been like, that's a good guy. And he's doing good stuff. And he's on the right path. But deep down, I knew I had misery in me because I didn't know what the next day brought. I didn't know if I was going to make it to heaven. I didn't know that if I died, what was going to happen and that's always in your heart. I don't care who you are, it's always in your heart of what happens if I die. And we walk around with that. Verse 11 says, Clearly no one who relies on the law is justified before God because the righteous will live by faith. The law is not based on faith. 
On the contrary, it says the person who does not, who does these things will live by them. And Ryan, you can come on up. It, uh, read 12, it says the law is not based on faith. The person who does these things will live by them. And that goes back to faith without works is dead. Right? I can't earn my own salvation. I don't have faith because I'm doing works, but because I have faith, I want to live that way. Because I believe in God, I believe his ways are better than mine. And it's the belief in what he says and what he tells me to do. That's the only reason why I do the things I would do. If God doesn't tell me to do it and I go out and do it, I'm not earning anything. Right? It doesn't build my faith because I'm following the Lord. and It's on the contrary, he says. It's because I follow the Lord that I do the other things. Can't have one without the other. Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. For it is written, cursed is everyone who is hung on a pole. He redeemed us in order that the blessing given to Abraham might come to the Gentiles through Christ Jesus. So that by faith we might receive the promise of the Spirit. If we would believe that, our whole lives are changed. If we believe that Jesus fulfilled it all, that he was able to do it all, and he paid the price for it, that he hung on the cross and took all of my failures and took every failure I'm going to have, I'm now free to try to live for the Lord and and follow the Lord and believe his ways are better. And when I mess up, I don't have to try to fix it. I don't have to beat myself up. I don't have to sit there and say, here I go again, being an idiot Eddie. I don't have to say that anymore. Instead, I'm like, Lord, thank you that you paid for this. And I'm going to continue to follow you. I'm going to continue in faith. I don't have to pay for it. I don't have to beat myself up. I don't have to go and let everybody ridicule me for doing stupid stuff. The Lord paid for it. Now, would there be consequences? There's always consequences to our actions, but we don't have to... We don't have to live in fear of being condemned. We don't have to uh, live under a curse. We just have faith and think, thank you, Lord. Thank you. And remember, Paul is writing this. As Chad pointed out the past few weeks, Paul was a Pharisee of all Pharisees. Paul was the very guy who was working harder than anybody. He had it right more than anybody else had right, but he was also wrong as much as anybody was wrong. He was killing Christians under the name of God and believing he was doing it for God. He believed he was doing what was right and he was completely wrong. And I can only imagine that the day that God said, hey, I paid for this. Jesus knocked him off of that donkey and he's our horse, whatever, and said, hey, I'm the one you're persecuting. Then he sends him over and he gets his sight and he starts seeing who the Lord really is and the Lord says, I forgive you. I paid for all that you've already done. I can't imagine in his mind how freeing that was. 
Could you imagine if you felt the, the, the pressure of doing God's work, of stopping a movement such as this? Could you imagine that, that every day you had to get up and follow 695 laws or whatever it was every day? And you had to figure that out every day? And then you had to hold everybody else accountable for all those laws. But we don't do that. We don't try to hold everybody accountable for how they're not following the Bible, right? We don't have to do that. The Lord paid the price. We believe He has a better plan. And we believe He died for us and we rose for us. And we share that testimony with other people. Right? If, if my neighbor or my co-worker doesn't know the Lord and they're living in sexual sin or living in other kinds of sin I don't have to go beat them up about that I can just say hey you know the Lord paid for everything you can be free I don't even have to point out their sin I can just tell them they need to be free and God will take care of the rest we don't have to take care of the world and we don't have to fix our own problems we can let God do it And I'm going to pray for us. And if you need prayer, this altar is open. And feel free to come up and we'll pray with you. Or you can just sit at the altar and pray. Talk to the Lord. But I don't want anybody walking out of here feeling cursed. I don't want anybody walking out of here feeling condemned. Or even walking out of here thinking you can do anything on your own. We need Jesus. He paid the price faith in Him and believing in Him He'll take care of the rest Father God I thank You Lord I thank You for who You are I thank You Jesus that You died for our sins before we were even here You knew where we would be at You knew our, you knew our mistakes and even though we weren't worthy You died on the cross and you were buried and you rose again, making us worthy. Making us right with you, Lord. Lord, help us believe that you did that. Help us believe in your plans. Help us believe that we're right with you. Let us walk in faith, Lord. Let us be pleasing to you. And Lord, when we fall short, Wrap your arms of love around us, Lord. That we continue walking in faith. The altars are open. as we go through the week and I don't know what the Lord's speaking to people but as we go through the week there's going to be doubts that come up there's going to be fears that come up but when we build our lives around Christ and He is that firm foundation as they're saying and and we we build everything around a belief and faith that He is who He is and He will do what He says He's going to do 
we begin having more joy. We begin seeing the fruit of the Spirit pop up in our lives. We begin being able to live a life of freedom. But through the week, we know how Satan works and there's going to be these doubts, there's going to be these fears, there's going to be these struggles that you just can't let go of that you're sitting here thinking like, I don't know what to do with this or I don't know what to do with that. And when we start building our lives around those, it's a struggle. It's a non-stop struggle. It's a, it's a fear and, and the fruit of that is far, far more than we can bear. So... I want to pray that as we go through the week that we can release those to the Lord. We can be reminded that we don't have to carry that. We don't have to carry those those fruits of the world. We, we, we're going to walk in the foundation of Christ. So, Father God, as we get ready to leave here, Lord, I pray that we would walk through our week knowing that You are our foundation. You are our provider. You are You're the one who takes care of everything. Your Holy Spirit, Lord, will come upon us, Lord, and our faith in You will get us through anything. And Lord, as fear comes upon us this week, Lord, or our doubts come upon us, or our struggle comes in, Lord, help us to be reminded to immediately surrender that to You, Lord. To hand that over to You, Lord, and, and to pray that You would just take it, Lord. And then whenever we try to pick it back up, help us to pray again to let it go. Give us strength to let go of all this stuff that we can't control, Lord. Lord, I pray that the fruit of Your Spirit would come upon each of us throughout this week as we begin to, to walk in that faith, to walk in the belief of You, Lord, and what You're doing. I thank You. We love you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.